Thanks tonight for joining with us on our Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship. I want to thank you so much for being a part of what God is doing, not only uh, here in our church, but also in churches like ours and, and home groups and prayer groups around the world, okay? All over the world, we're connecting together. You know, we're not the only uh, people helping to do this. There are so many organizations. Since we started this, we have heard of so many other organizations, so many other churches, so many other groups that are, that are uh, embarking on the same adventure. This is a God thing, okay? Uh, strategic discipleship is a command from the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Sunday, uh, I said something that has really stuck with me. The good news is only the good news if it gets there in time. The good news is only the good news if it actually gets there in time. And uh, thank the Lord, this news, this good news, you know, is coming to us in time. God's giving us a chance for reprieve. The fact of the matter is, uh, uh, God was very serious whenever God said to Abraham in the end result that if I could just find 10 people, just 10 people who were right with me, in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, I would not judge them, but I would give them mercy and I would forgive them and I would pass over judgment. God was serious about that. Think about that. If God could have found 10 people, well, that's what we're offering to God is all over the world. We're offering uh, groups of people that are lifting up their prayers to him and getting right with him and taking an opportunity every week to humble themselves and call upon him, seek his face and turn from their ways and their own wicked ways. And God says he will hear, he will forgive and he will heal. And so tonight, block number two, you ready guys? This is block two of our life shape prayer and discipleship. And for those of you that are uh, here tonight, you, you got one of these, okay? It's on your, uh, on your seat tonight. And for those of you that are around the world, uh, you have either already, uh, you know, uh, called in and got the material sent to you, or you can download them at the website, ifmypeoplewill.com. If my people will. If my people will.com uh, has resources on it for you and also a uh, training is available and uh, you know uh, we'll help you in any way if there's not a group near you if you're watching tonight and you know and I'm well aware that people all over the world just watch us if you're watching church online tonight and uh, you're you you, you uh, you don't know of a group near you, then contact us. It's right there. Just you know, click on that contact. Contact us. We'll help you to find a group near you. And if there's not one near you, we will help you to start one, okay? Uh, we'll do the training necessary and provide the materials, okay? All uh, already paid for, all right? Uh, it, it's, it, it's all free, okay? Uh, just sign on. Uh, God said, if we will, he will. Amen? Are you ready? We're going to the book of Genesis tonight. We're going to Genesis chapter 1 again tonight. You know, uh, last, uh, our last life block was the fact that there is one God. Did you remember? We talked about there being one God. Now, I know for many of you, you know, you've, you've been raised in a monotheistic culture, in a culture that just believes in one God. But believe you me when I tell you that the whole world is not like that. Neither is history. History has supported, and many cultures of the world support both monotheism and polytheism, both the, the belief in one God and the belief in many gods. In fact, some people even claim the belief in no God. Uh, you know, but uh, uh, suffice it to say, you know, last week we established the fact that there is one God. And the fact as well that only one truth can exist. There's only one truth. Now, if you happen to believe that Allah is God, then serve him. 
If you believe that, you know, uh, Buddhism is the truth, follow it. If you believe that Hinduism and the 330 million gods and goddesses that you've been raised in your culture to embrace are watching over you or are, 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 are waiting you know, uh, to, to, to punish you or to welcome you, then you need to serve them. You know, that's fair. That's what Joshua told the children of Israel in Joshua 24, 15. If you believe that Baal is God or the gods of your ancestors or the gods you served on the other side, if you believe they're God, then serve them. But as for me and my house, we believe Jehovah is God. And that's who we are going to serve. Some things are just worth standing up for. Some things are worth fighting for. And some things are even worth dying for. And Jesus is the cause that I have found. One God. There can only be one truth. In order to embrace one truth, holy, every other religion has to be denied. And if you happen to believe, or if you're being tempted to imagine that all roads lead to heaven, then you are denying every religion's claim. Only one truth can be real. Which one's it going to be? You choose. God's a God of choice. Amen? Well, tonight, block number two begins a little uh, later there in, in, in Genesis. In Genesis, the first chapter, we're going to go ahead and read uh, uh, verses one and two, but we're going to continue here just a little ways. Are you ready? Let's read this. Tonight, our life-shaped prayer and discipleship, block two, is on creation. Okay? Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, we cannot determine, we do not know, how long it was between God creating a heaven and an earth, and then it uh, coming into a state of complete chaos where darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. It could have been immediately. It could have been one breath. It could have been one thought. It could have been one day. It could have been you know, one hour. It could have been one billion years. We really do not know. Why? Because God did not tell us. God does not tell us everything we need to know. Now, uh, you know, uh, don't be deceived into imagining that the best and the brightest that the world has to offer uh, are either the best or the brightest <laughs> because they are neither, okay? Uh, when anyone disagrees with God, then we must, if we are believers who believe God, and that's the definition of a believer, someone who believes God. If you do not believe God, then you are not classically a believer. But those of us who have chosen, as I said last week, me and my house, we will serve Jehovah, then we have chosen to believe he is true. And when it comes down to someone else denying what God has said is true, then I just choose to believe God is right. And I choose to believe that person is wrong. It's just a choice. I mean, you're going to choose to believe someone or else you'll just choose to let it hang out there. And no choice to trust God is a choice to not trust him. We don't know, uh, you know, I, I have a difficult time imagining that God created the heavens and earth in such chaos. But perhaps he did. But whatever it was, whether it was one second after creation, one breath after creation, 
one hour, one day, or one billion years. God looked at what he had created, the heavens and the earth, and he saw them in a state that he was not happy with. He saw them in some place that he wanted to change. Something that he had, something that he created, he saw it in a way that he wanted to change it. And so what God does when he has a problem, what God does when he wants to change something, what God does when he is not satisfied with something, is he moves closer to the problem. And that's what he did. The Spirit of God moved. That connotates some time. It, that gives us an indication that there was some expanse of time as God's Spirit moved closer to what He wanted to change, closer to what He considered uh, not uh, what He wanted, closer to what might be thought of as a problem. He moved closer. He did not distance Himself from the problem. He moved closer, and He moved. That concept of moving, that word, you can even see it translated in other places, is brood. It means like a hen would sit down on an egg to incubate it, to brood over it, okay? We get a picture there in the Hebrew of meditating. God was thinking. He was considering. He was planning. He was imagining whatever God does whenever he was decided, you know, uh, you know thinking, what am I going to do about this? He was planning, he was brooding as a hen would sit upon her eggs imagining, you know, what is to come. And then the Bible says in verse 3, began what we understand as the six days of creation. The Bible says that God pulled the trigger on day one. The Spirit of God was moving on the face of the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. <laughs> wow. We could follow this and read all the way down through the end of the chapter. But the Bible tells us that on that first day of creation, God said, let there be light. He divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. There is a picture of one of our 24-hour days. How did God do all that we imagine done in a 24-hour day with making light and dividing light from darkness? It's not a stretch of the imagination for us to believe that God did it if we believe in God. If we believe in the God of the Bible, then we must embrace a reality that God made the things we see out of things that do not appear. Basically, what that means is that God made it all from nothing. God created the heavens and the earth. And then on day one, God made light. And he divided that light and that day and that night into what we now know as a 24-hour period. I don't think he's speaking in, 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 you know, in some code. or I do not imagine that God is trying to, to lead us uh, into some uh, uh, you know, uh, allegorical uh, story here. I believe 
that this Jehovah God, the God of the Bible, when he began to fashion the earth as we now see it, that he knew his plan, and through his wisdom and his word, he began to fill the earth with his design and his desire. He made, uh, you know, the day and the night, the light, and divided it from darkness on day one. You can continue reading. You know, on day two, he continued his, his uh, creation. And day three, and day four, and day five, and day six, we get down to verse 31. And this is what the Bible says. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. What did God do? God had a plan. His wisdom prevailed. And by his wisdom and his word, he began a process of creation. And each day, he created something that the next day would need. You know, it's amazing to see the priority of God's creations because it shows us that God follows a very well thought out plan. For example, as you read through it, and I trust you will, you will find out that God created, uh, you know, uh, uh, the grass before he created the cow. You know, isn't that great? He created the trees and the fruit before he created mankind because man was going to need something to eat. The cows need something. He, he separated the waters from the waters and created the expanse that we know as an atmosphere. Uh, he created that before he created the birds or else they would have had no place to fly. Before he created the fish or else they might have been swimming in the heavens. You know, I mean, uh, you know, God knew what he was doing. And he's a very well thought out, very planned, very wise God. This is what the Word of God tells us. You know, archaeologists, as, uh, as I said in your notes, and paleontologists, and you know, anthropologists, and all of the myriad of scientists, and, and uh, the biologists, and you know, analysts, and historians, and philosophers of every age, they can only give a personal best guess based upon the information that they are trying to digest. They can only give a personal best guess as what happened, as to what happened in creation. But we hold an eyewitness account. We should listen to the only one that was there. I'm talking about God. God was there. And he gave us his personal eyewitness account of what he did. You can't get much better than that. We should not try to imagine that the world is looking to support what God is saying. For the world is turned upside down. The world is driven by lust and sex and money and power and position. They are not driven to support the things of God. And in fact, anything that might surface, that might lend credibility to the Word of God, is often canceled out. The theories that the world wants to put forth, from Big Bang theories to the theory of evolution, can in no way answer what, what creation holds for us. And any theory that distances itself from God is often a theory that is quickly embraced by the world. Because if the world 
No. Well, let me put it this way. If God is right, the world has to admit they're wrong. And they need to get in line with God. To learn how the world was created, we need only to go to God's Word. But God's Word doesn't tell us everything. For example, when we read the Word of God concerning Mary becoming pregnant with the Son of God, the Bible does not mention how her mom and dad felt about it. The Bible does not mention how her brothers and sisters felt. The Bible does not you know, give us all the information. God tells us enough, and He tells us what He wants us to know. And we must trust Him that what He says is true. For the believer to believe anything else, for the believer to believe anything other than the Word of God is to not be a believer. That is hard fact that we as a church and that we as followers of Christ must bring ourselves back to. For us to believe anything other than what God has told us is to not be a believer. Tonight, I would like to give you five points, okay? Five important points to our lesson tonight. And for those of you that are listening to this so that you can reteach it to your group this coming week, uh, you know, these points are very important. They are, um, they are the heart of what we're saying. Each week, we're accepting one truth. The one truth we accepted in block one is that there is only one God, only one way, only one truth. What we are accepting tonight is that God's account of creation is the way it happened. To believe anything else is to not be a believer. Point number one, you know, of course, as I said, the definition of a believer is, is one who accepts God's word as truth. Realizing, point number one, that God does not tell us everything. To accept what God says is truth is not to say this is all truth, but this is the only truth God has decided to share with us. There, there is other truth, okay? There are plenty of other truths that we will run across in the world, but we will never see a truth that denies this truth, that overrides it, or that makes it somehow ineffective, or that counters what God has said. You know, God doesn't tell us the whole truth. He doesn't tell us everything. But what he tells us is true. A second point is that God can make something out of nothing. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, tells us that. That the worlds were, were framed by the word of God from things which did not appear and do not appear. That means this, that if we were there in the beginning with God, we would have seen nothing from what we see today. God created it. Did he do it with an explosion? I don't know. It's possible. Okay. If he wanted to, he did. Okay. <laughs> uh, did he make man from monkey? No. He told us that. Okay. Is the earth five billion years old? Don't know. 
Um, how old are the trees? You know, no more than 6,000. <laughs> the creation that we enjoy, hey, you know, mankind, Adam and Eve, you know, were they the only people in the garden? Yep, to begin with, yes. <laughs> you know, those answers are simple. All you have to do is read the eyewitness account, okay? The fact is, God can make something from nothing. Romans, the first chapter, verse 20, you know, uh, supports that idea as well. God, you know, he created what we now see and enjoy from absolutely nothing that we understand. If we were looking at it, we would understand it as nothing. Okay? Uh, point number three. God does not distance himself from his problems. This is something we need to learn from God for our own lives as well. Because many times when people have a problem, the first thing they do is distance themselves from it. The first thing you want to do is get away from it, you know. Uh, we see this in America, uh, maybe in your country as well, but in America we see this even, you know, um, even in families. We see that families have problems, you know, they distance themselves. We see children leaving home because of a problem. We see husbands and wives not communicating, but distance coming even in the homes while they live together, a distancing because of a problem. We see a distancing even in divorce when things get to what is considered to be an irreconcilable state. We see distancing happening even in churches where people have problems and so the first thing you do is distance themselves. We see it happening in nations, in communities, in businesses. Okay? But God does not do that. One of the attributes and the strengths of God is that when he has a problem, he gets closer to it. Okay? And that's really the only way to fix it. For example, if you have a flat tire tonight going home, okay, <laughs> uh, you may need to get closer to it to fix it. <laughs> Just a thought. Okay? It's no different if you have an argument with your spouse or with your parent. It's a God attribute. Point number four tonight that we learn as well is that God is a God of priorities. What does that mean? That means basically that he made provision first priority in each case. It's important as well that we pay attention to provision. That we don't get the horse before the cart in our life. But to understand that God knew what he was doing. He framed the worlds. He created the heavens and the earth from his wisdom, by his wisdom, and by his word. He knew what he was doing. He actually thought before he acted. Sometimes it might be good for us to put that in practice in our lives. Perhaps even when we're talking. To at least think before we speak. Or to think before we pull out in front of someone. Or to think before we act. Or to think before we buy. Uh, United States Congress, you guys listening to me? Point number five, the Genesis story of creation is the eyewitness account of our creator. We can get no more plain than this. The book of Genesis chapter one, all the way from verse one to verse 31, Give us an eyewitness account from the only person who was there. The only one who was present. Okay? And it's very important... 
for us as believers, and that's what we are doing this year, is building our lives, putting a building block in our life. And the first thing God wanted us to know, the very first thing he told us about himself is that he created the heavens and the earth. In fact, if we were to look in Exodus chapter 31, verse 17, this is what he says. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God has a work ethic. He's a hard worker. He works and then he rests. But let me promise you, on the eighth day, God went back to work. God has a work ethic. The account of, this, of creation in Genesis is true. Okay? Embrace it. There is one God, and he is creator. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Okay? Uh, let me give you to the studio for close. And if there's anything you need, make sure you contact us, send us your prayer request, your testimonies. And if you need help in reteaching this or sharing this with your group, make sure you ask. We'll make sure we answer. God bless you. How do you know that you're saved? How do you know for certain if you died, you'd go to heaven? Pray this prayer with me and you can know that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Lord Jesus, I realize that I've sinned against you, but I'm willing to repent. I choose to turn away from being a sinner. And right this moment, I open the door of my heart and I take you, Lord Jesus, into my heart, into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart and saving me today. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we want to help you get started in your Christian life. I would like to send you a letter. We'll send you some other information so that you will be able to grow as a Christian and learn how to share Christ with others. Remember the three R's, realize, repent, and receive. Please contact us by writing to us, calling us, or emailing us so that we'll be able to communicate with you and have a relationship with you. Find a real Bible-believing, worshiping church. Unite with that church so you'll have a pastor. But stay in contact with us so we'll be able to help you along in your Christian life. Remember, call us, email us, or write to us so we can help you get started in your Christian life. God has great things for you.